Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So um, just a quick note that I'm going to be taking a little bit of time off in July, but I am pretty much around this summer and I usually take a little bit more time off in the summers, but because of my book and all the other stuff going on, I'm really kind of going to be here um, working. So if you're around... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're looking for some support. Um, we will still be running Grit and Grace. I'm not going to be taking any breaks on that. And I'm still going to be working with my private clients. So um, yeah, kateanthony.com. And you can find out all the ways I work on my uh, my everything page. There's a, there's a, a, in the navigation pane, there's a link called, it says start here. So it's kateanthony.com slash start, I believe, but it's right there on my website and all the ways that I'm available to, um, for you to work with me are there, including all my online programs and everything like that. So I'm around this summer and if you want to be around with me, let's do this. So today's guest, today's episode, I have with me Dr. Carolyn Curley. She's awesome. She's a biology professor at the University of California, San Diego. And as a scientist, Carolyn relies on logical thinking, but she also values quieting the false stories in our minds and fully integrating our feeling intuitive selves to navigate the flow of life from a place of wholeness. And if anyone has worked with me, um, either privately or in any of my private Uh, in any of my um, online programs, you know that this is so me. I am so logic and uh, science nerdy driven, but also the first thing I believe that we have to do is really connect with our inner guide, our intuitive nature, and quiet the inner critic. Carolyn's work really balances those two aspects, and I just love it. Um, She's worked with hundreds of outstanding students at UCSD, many of whom paradoxically struggle to find ease, uh, which is what motivated her to write the book, The Guidance Groove, Escape Unproductive Habits, Trust Your Intuition, and Be True. Her book is an invitation to question the truth of the stories that you've been conditioned to believe so that you can more easily connect with the wisdom emanating from your intuitive guidance. Increase your personal authenticity and contentment, and make choices from love instead of ego and fear. Ugh, so amazing. I am so excited to read this book. I actually um, don't have it yet, but it's on its way. Uh, But I was so inspired by this conversation that I um, immediately wanted to read it. So, 
Here's my conversation with Carolyn Curley. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your book and all things. I mean, when you and I spoke to begin with, I was so excited because you walk this parallel lines or like whatever of like science and the intuitive brain, but it is like, it is science. Right. And so, yes, yes. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I agree. I had such a fun time talking with you whenever that was a couple of weeks or a month ago or whatever, before we scheduled this. So much fun. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you are a biology professor Yes. and you wrote a book on intuition. Yes. I'm a conservation biology professor. So we study what animals eat, what they do, what habitats they use so we can better inform conservation management strategies. That's what we do. And also I teach huge classes because it's a University of California school, big classes. And and I get these students who are so beautiful and bright and amazing and they have their whole life ahead of them, right? And they're filled with all of these conflicting challenges that they've been socialized to accept as real. And so that helped inspire me to write this book because I want my consistent advice to these beautiful humans was, sweetheart, you need to quiet that mind, quiet the social conditioning, quiet the parental conditioning, quiet your own conditioning, and really get in touch with what makes you light up, what makes you at ease, what brings you peace. Maybe it's not med school. Maybe that's your parents talking. Maybe it's designing costumes for the theater, which I actually had a student who did that. And so that all of those beautiful students really helped me to put those thoughts into a book. And the book is The Guidance Groove, and it's giving students and people permission to combine their beautiful logical brains with all of the data we get from like the neck down. So our bodies, our intuition, all of those intangible, not really definable things that we can rely on and get data from to make our decisions. And then for our purposes today, using those tools to help navigate the questions around divorce Mm -hmm. and separation and creating peace with your former and creating a house Mm -hmm. of loveliness for the children you share with your former or soon-to-be former spouse. And so all of these things come together and they, they sort of dovetail with biology in that when you watch animals, they're not creating a story about what they're doing in their environment. <laughs> they're just right. doing what is instinctually the next right thing, right? They're right. What's the next right thing? What data are in front of me right now? I'm going to act according to those data right there, right now. No fat past ruminations, no future worrying. We're just going to go with what is, right? And so that's kind of the encouragement with the guidance groove. That's so great. Let's rely on that. Yeah. Yes. And when you talk about the groove, like what is the what is the groove that you're referencing? I have an idea, but <laughs> <laughs> I came up with this way to describe it. So in the book, I describe four unproductive grooves. So grooves that hold us in place that kind of prevent us from listening to our guidance or our intuition or whatever it is you call that spark of glowing knowing that's inside of you. In unproductive grooves are when we believe we are inadequate, mm. when we believe we are obligated, when we believe we are 
that resources are scarce when really they're not, and when we believe we are unworthy. So these beliefs that generally are never true, they hold us in these unproductive grooves, these narrow constraining valleys that are hard to escape from. And when you can recognize that you're actually stuck in one of those grooves or many multiple grooves across any aspect of your life, you can start to climb out. So the trick is to just recognize, oh, wait a minute, this is my brain telling me I'm inadequate for this task. And so I'm doing these behaviors to sort of make sure nobody finds out that I'm inadequate. But really, I might just need to learn something to become adequate, or maybe I actually am adequate, but my parents told me so many times I wasn't good enough that I believe that. Or maybe I'm just, I'm staying in my marriage because I'm obligated. I made those vows. I'm obligated to stay here till I'm dead, but maybe you're not. So maybe you can recognize the obligation has run its course and now you can do something different. And so it's the book sort of starts by allowing people to recognize when they're in these unproductive grooves so that they can just be aware and start climbing out of them. And then you can get into the guidance groove more and more where you're, you're now not stuck in a groove, but you're kind of grooving or moving to your own guidance song, your own feelings of what's the next right thing without listening to all the stories that have just been really drowning us since we were really little. It's not our faults. I don't know how you can get to be a 10-year-old, let alone a 50-year-old, without being massively conditioned by everything around you to believe all these false things. Isn't that incredible that that's like so almost essential to the human condition. Yes. <laughs> like, like, why is that? Isn't that awful? And it is, you know, I, I love that you're talking about it as a groove because ultimately when being the science nerd that I am, right, when we're talking about like neural pathways, right, they are grooves essentially, right? And we're stuck in these grooves of negativity. And because that is a neural pathway. So can you talk about that since I'm the science nerd, but you're actually the scientist. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> We're both scientists. I love data. I'm a huge data nerd too. So I think what you're talking about, what came up for me when you, when you said that it's so hard to escape this is because of fear, right? Mm -hmm. So I think like, if we think of fear from an evolutionary standpoint, it can be very very helpful. If you are one of our ancestors back on the Serengeti and there is a lion nearby, you need fear to get you out of that situation. It's really important. But I think now as humans, we have fears that aren't even real because uh -huh. we don't have lions chasing us. By and large, we're pretty safe in our day-to-day -day lives, right? But we make up all these fears and our parents help us make up those fears because they love us so much that they want what's best for us. So they accidentally put their fears for us onto us from a very young age. So we're raised believing in all these fears. I won't be good enough unless I do X, Y, Z. I won't be beautiful enough unless I do X, Y, Z. I won't be whatever it is. And our parents accidentally do this to us and then society piles it on. So these fears help create these grooves that trick us into believing resources are scarce, I'm not good enough, et cetera. And when you can see, oh, wait, that's just a fear. I'm going to go toward that fear and try and find out where it came from, why it plagues me, and how I can gently bring it up and like love it 
out, <laughs> you know, and it might come up again in five more minutes. It might come up again in five more weeks. Doesn't matter. You can always kind of explore, go toward, go toward. And so it's taking that evolutionary advantage of fear as a survival mechanism. And now you can look at, oh, my fear's coming up. That's my survival mechanism. That's my signal to go toward and figure out why that's constraining me. What is really holding me back? And is it actually true? Is that fear actually true? Right. Is that story true? The story that I have, right? This is, you know, just very similar to, I think we talked about this before, but very similar to the work that I do with my clients in my programs where the inner critic work that we do, which is the inner critic is generally just a fear mechanism. And when you run away from it, like, I love what you said, like, that's your cue to go towards it, right? Because, and that's exactly what I teach my clients, right? That when you have this critic, when you keep turning away from it, it continues to have power and control. But when you turn mm -hmm. towards it and you go towards it and you investigate it and you get curious about it and you ask, like, is this actually true? Nine times out of 10, the answer is nope, <laughs> not so much. And sometimes there's a kernel of truth and that's the information, right? That's the important information. That's where the transformation can happen. Right. Where you actually get to that kernel of truth. And it's similar. And if you have trouble with that, imagine your seven or five-year-old self being afraid of the thing under the bed. Well, we know as grownups that there's nothing under the bed, but the beautiful, responsible adult can go to that child and hold them close and say, okay, we're going to get a flashlight. We're going to look under that bed. We're going to explore under the bed. Oh, there's some dust here. There is a little grossness. We're going to clean that grossness up. We're going to get rid of it. And now it's sparkling under here. Well, then three nights later, I'm afraid there's something under the bed. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, there's a little less dust under here, but wait, let's get one more thing out. And I think that that's what holds people back in one way. They think, A, I'm way too scared to investigate my fears. What will happen? Yes. So you investigate and you learn nothing really bad happens. And that's great to learn. And then people feel like, well, once I do this, I'm done. And I view it more like it's a minute by minute, day by day, constant inquiry. Yes. To dispel. You will never be rid of the fears, the inner critic. It doesn't go away. You just learn to manage it. You learn tools to manage it better. I love the analogy of looking under the bed. And like, look, sometimes for some people, right, the fears are actually founded in, in reality, right? So let's, for example, a woman who is trying to leave a domestic violence situation, right? Absolutely. Your fears of he will kill me if I leave are very, probably very well-founded. But that doesn't mean that you don't make the move, right? Then you go, okay, if that is the case, then what do I have to do? Then that gives you the information, right? That is the kernel of truth that's there. But now you're empowered with information. Okay, so that's the truth. I have to actually be very careful and cautious about how I do this. Exactly. And there's something so beautiful also in a situation like that where there is real harm, the potential for harm, and the fear is quote unquote real, like you said, is when you can see that and also realize you have agency. Mm -hmm. You have agency. You're in this situation. There's two people that have created this untenable, unsafe situation, and you have agency to leave. 
or make it different. And part of that also comes from investigating the fear that surrounds the whole entire experience. How do I get out of here, leave this person, find the resources I need to be safe? And then once you're out of the immediate danger, I always encourage people, and I've done this myself, to explore the fears, the unproductive groove behaviors, whatever it was that helped get you in that situation, not to victim blame. That's right. But to give you agency. Exactly. You are an autonomous thinking, feeling human. And if you can accept that you are in this situation with another person because you both came to this, there's so much power in that realization, you have this amazing agency to leave, to change, to make it better, to make different choices moving forward that is powerful. It's amazing. Absolutely. And again, like you said, it's not victim blaming. It's not about like, well, you chose this. This is your bed. You right? It, it's really about yeah, you did choose this. So what is it in your history? What is it in your relationship mapping that had you recognize this and had you see this as familiar, had you see this as somehow conflated with love? And then how do we undo that groove, get you out of that groove, <laughs> right? Untangle it. Yes. And even at a smaller level. So in, in the book, I have lots of examples of people who trick themselves in, into going forward with the relationship when their intuition is screaming, no, no, no. Ooh. So this is a great tool. Now, anyone out there who's been in a relationship where it was abusive or, or didn't work out or just was not right, go back and remember your earlier self and think of the warning signs. And I, I give two really good examples. One is a Navy SEAL. I opened the book with his story of being completely shot at, bombs, terrible things happening in the Middle East. And I said, how did you get through that experience in that day where everyone got out alive? And he said, I just followed my instincts the whole day, my instincts and my training. Fast forward, you know, 20 years, and he is entering relationship with this woman. And this woman is beautiful. She's smart. She's rich. And he wants to date her, right? Because everything's saying, go, go, go. But his intuition is saying, she's never going to trust me. This isn't going to work. Four years later, he leaves the relationship. What happened? She never learned to trust him. Right. didn't work. And I have another story of this beautiful woman who, well, right at the get-go, I got all these signs that he was going to be jealous and controlling and insecure. But he was handsome and well-off and his children were beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Five years later, all of those things that were apparent at the beginning. And so why do we ignore those intuition guideposts is because we've been taught that our logic is king, right? I can change that person. All of these other categories and qualities are so great, even when your intuition is telling you otherwise. Exactly. But you shouldn't beat yourself up for it. You should just say, wait a minute, now I have more data that I can trust my intuition. You don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to wish it hadn't happened. You just say, oh, I learned so much about how I can trust myself moving forward for the next situation. And I think that's beautiful. We all need those lessons. It's amazing. It's yes. And it's so true. One of the things I have my clients do too is a inventory and it does. It's like, okay, we walk through, what are the signs that you missed? I love that. What did you miss? Yeah. Or ignored, like willfully ignore. Yeah. And what did you ignore? <laughs> what did you see and go, ah, yes, it's fine, right? And, you know, I know for me, there were hundreds of them. I mean, thousands. There were like everything was, it was the most obvious thing in the world. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I didn't think that 
I was worth more. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You know, underneath all of the everything else, it was that I just didn't believe that I was worth more, yeah. which is one of your grooves, right? Yes, absolutely. And I was also, you know, of a certain age and I was like, this is my last shot and I've invested all this time and I don't want it to be a waste of time. And Absolutely. But absolutely all the signs were there. We just spoke briefly before, and I know you have a child, and and I'm mm-hmm. assuming is the child with the person who you yeah were divorced from. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like my former husband and I are extremely close. He lives a couple blocks away. We're raising our now 16 year old son. We divorced when he was seven, but when we met, we had this intense right away. I was 33. I never wanted kids or a husband, and it was so clear we were meant to get married. But it was really really hard. We fought. It was fraught with attention. And that was the sign. We went to therapy to this beautiful therapist for a couple of years at least and went nonviolent communication. We learned how to communicate. We learned all these great tools. We ended up having this child and then we divorced, you know, when he was seven. And I view all of that work we did as preparation for the last 10 years where we have co-parented with so much love and so much peace and so much different family connection, mm-hmm. but we weren't meant to be married, but we were meant to be married. None of it's a mistake. It's all, as Byron Katie says, earth school, which I love. It's all earth school. <laughs> right. It's all earth school. We're just learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel the same way about, yeah. similarly about my, about my ex. We were absolutely meant to come together and create this incredible human being. Yeah. You know, we were absolutely not meant to be married for very long. (laughs) If it showed you this false belief that you're unworthy, then that's freaking worth it. Right? That's right. That's why, you know, the work that I do with women trying to decide whether to stay or go, the very first thing we do is the work on intuition, on inner critic, and building self-esteem and self-worth, which starts with self-knowledge, right? So, there's that sort of process. It's not about like, he's this, he's that, he's that. Well, I feel this. And I don't like, it's not a pros and cons list. Mm -hmm. It's actually about getting yourself, your capital S self sorted and, and clear. Okay. I love that. (laughs) It's true because I think that again, we value our logic brain. So we make these lists. Well, here are the pros, here are the cons. This is the money. This is the kid. This is the house. This is all these things. But If you're making your pro and con list and the whole time your body is like, I can't stay here for one more minute, listen to that and throw away the list. Listen. (laughs) Some of the most powerful things I do with my private clients is that if they're trying to decide whether to stay or go, I do. I have them close their eyes and then I paint both pictures for them. Absolutely. And their body tells them immediately. I say, so you stay with them. You continue on this path. Maybe you do some more work, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I'm like, all right, then. Yes. Okay. Like, that's it. That's, it's as simple as that. It is, Kate. And you leave and you have freedom and you are able to create something new and something different, but you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh. And I teach my book as a seminar. Biology department lets me teach this as a seminar every summer. I'm amazed they do. It's wonderful for the students' mental health. But we teach it. I teach it as a seminar. And one of the very first things I do to help them understand what I mean by guidance and intuition is have them sit quietly if we're in session. And I say, okay, picture a time when you had to make a decision, big or small, and you felt a full body yes or a full body no. 
And then let's talk about those. And every single person has many of those. And then they're instantly aware of what I'm talking about when I mean intuitive guidance. You can kind of point to it. It's all over books and media. I mean, it's in Star Wars, Feel the Force, Luke. It's everywhere, right? But to really help hone them in is doing exactly what you said. Picture that time. And then when decisions come up, you can go to that place every single time and you get really good at it. Sometimes it takes multiple days. Sometimes it takes moments. And it's that same with those thoughts that we're never, ever, ever going to stop. You can believe the thought for as long as you need to or want to. But the more you practice recognizing when those thoughts are motivated by false fears and these unproductive grooves, the faster you can stop believing it. And then it comes up again. And maybe it'll take you seven seconds to not believe it. Maybe it'll take you seven days. It doesn't matter, but it kind of just gets quicker and quicker. And you start to wait. I have this whole body I can use as a data collector. I'm going to use it. I'm going to feel it. I love that you do that with your clients. It's perfect. And, you know, and sometimes it's really hard, right? Because it's like, as you said, like we have this whole body that's a data collector, but also we have a lifetime of ignoring the data, right? And sort of like bypassing it and shutting it out and disconnecting, dissociating for a variety of reasons. So how do you suggest or teach people how to work through that. And now for a quick word from our sponsor, the all new fully revised, should I stay or should I go? After three years of this program existing in the world and changing women's lives, I decided to give it a full makeover. The all new version has all new videos, a podcast-like audio stream if you want to take the work on the go, and completely updated resources for deepening your learning. The program consists of six core modules, the first of which is Who Are You? This is the section in which you dig deeply into your own personal development and get in touch with your inner guide, slay your inner critics, mine for values, and learn how to set healthy boundaries. The second module is how you learn to love and helps you understand your attachment style, love languages, and how to properly love and care for the most important person in all of this, yourself. Module three is called Why Are Women So Exhausted? and breaks down some of the issues around toxic masculinity and male entitlement, the myth of being a stay-at-home mom, and answers the question, he's fine. Why can't I just be happy? Module four is all about understanding abuse and includes videos on trauma bonds, understanding the cycles of abuse, particularly how they play out in your own relationship, and addresses addiction, infidelity, and mental illness. Module five is all about healing and moving forward and includes videos about therapy, couples therapy, healing from betrayal, emotional regulation, and grief. This section also includes my 90-minute workshop, Tackling Codependence, as well as my signature relationship inventory that will help you gain complete clarity on all the parts of your marriage and figure out what's his and what's yours. And module six answers the question, is the grass really greener on the other side? With in-depth videos on dating, cultural and religious isolation, and what happens if you end up alone forever? Spoiler, you probably won't. Whether you decide to stay or go, this program will set you up for a lifetime of clarity and fulfillment. And if you've already decided to go, the program will help you unpack all that's happened and help you heal so that you can move forward without repeating the same mistakes that got you here in the first place. 
This program is priced super low at just $697. And if you use the code podcast, when you check out, you'll get $50 off the full price. What are you waiting for? You have been agonizing with this decision for long enough. It's time to finally know, should you stay or should you go? And now back to our episode. So one of the other things I do in my work is I talk about, um, in fact, I had a great, an editorial come out in this journal that I'm an editor for a British journal. And we talk about nature. So I encourage people Mm -hmm. to find the thing, the place, the activity that allows them to quiet their mind. So for me, it takes the form of I row on a machine out in my backyard. I ride my bicycle near my house up and down the coast. I don't really meditate. I'm more of a movement meditator. I'll walk on the beach. So I have lots of moving things that help me like quiet my mind. And the movement of the body somehow distracts my mind so I can really get into it. Or being in nature, there's reams of data demonstrating that when humans are in what we traditionally consider nature, our minds automatically quiet and we become more peaceful and we have increases in all these measures of contentment and satisfaction. So going for a walk in the trees and the park or the beach or the mountain, whatever, or even taking it one step further, part of this editorial I wrote was really viewing other human beings as nature. We are just as much nature as the trees. We all share an evolutionary history that goes back to Big Bang. We are nature. So even feeling that nature connection as you're walking down a busy street because you're surrounded by natural beings, humans are nature. We can feed off of that calming energy that can emanate from the trees, the grass, whatever, and from our fellow humans. So sometimes being in nature, whether it's natural nature or even just walking down a crowded street, and viewing other humans as nature or doing exercise or meditate. Some people love to sit quietly and meditate. And that's where they can get in touch with their intuition. Some people don't need any of that. They just are going through their day, checking in constantly, constantly checking in, checking in. I think that happens with practice and awareness. But anything that you do that helps you quiet your mind and get in touch with that rest of your body, make that a priority make it a priority. I kind of lucky because the exercise movement is my meditation and we're all supposed to do that for health anyway. But um, whatever it is, once you recognize your intuition and your guidance is valuable and you recognize what feeds it and what promotes it and making it a priority will just help you be able to access it more often. And then you'll start to collect more data on what happened when I listened to my intuition in that case? Was it a more easeful, contented outcome or not? And you can start making notes. I write all kinds of stuff down. We were talking just before about my memory's terrible. I need to write this shit down so I, I remember. So, okay, this fear came up. What is this fear? Let me write it down so I can be more clear. And let me write it down and investigate it with words. Some people need to do that. I personally love to do that. I love it. It's like any practice. You do it a little bit. And it gets a little easier and a little easier until you're barely making decisions. You're always just checking in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's, you know, and I guess it's sort of when people are in a marriage that is not serving them, doesn't feel good from I'm not happy, mm-hmm. you know, he's fine, everything's fine, but I'm not happy yeah. to, you know, there's abuse and like, this is not a not a healthy situation. You know, there, again, there's like this sort of constant denying 
of what happens is in my experience and tell me if this you feel this is true and maybe there's like there's some science maybe there's some data around this that like you're quashing that you're just you're pushing it down pushing it down and it just starts to push up harder and harder it's like when you don't listen to that inner voice that inner guidance your intuition like it doesn't go away it doesn't right no. <laughs> I have this analogy for this, right? We we get a whisper from our intuition or the universe, whatever you want to call it. I have no idea what it really is, but you get a whisper mm-hmm. and you ignore it. Then you get a little murmur, you ignore it. Then a shout and then a punch in the face. And then pretty soon your face is being held in a pile of dog shit because you just aren't listening. Because right? you're not listening. And that's what life is so wonderful at giving us, right? Okay, so this doesn't feel right, but I can keep going Okay, let's escalate it a little bit. Let's escalate it a little bit. So finally, you cannot ignore it. And you must do something because your face is covered with dog poop, right? (laughs) So you've got to do something. (laughs) And I love that because it's life constantly inviting us to listen, to listen to the flow of what's going on. And when we don't listen, like you said, it just builds up and builds up and builds up. Yep. And I wanted to say one more thing is I'm not telling people to ignore your logic, right? I love logic. I can't write a science paper. You're or, a scientist. <laughs> I collect data right. without logic. And we have these feelings, sometimes these intuitive feelings, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes I'll ride my bicycle and I'll have this really strong feeling. And I, I'm like, oh, can I trust that? I need to go back to the drawing board, maybe write down what my intuition was and then logically explore it. Okay. Okay. If I get this feeling... Like, for example, when it was time to leave my marriage, I happened to be in Australia for a science meeting. I was riding a bicycle around and I got this strong, intuitive sense. You can leave your marriage now. It's okay. You can go. It was so strong. And I was like, okay, well, I've been toying with this for a while. I came home. My mom happened to be visiting right after I got home and I talked it out with her, all of it. Mm -hmm. And that was my logic self going to a trusted other grown up who loves me and who I love and telling her all of the data, the logical data, the intuitive data, this part, and then kind of talking it out like you would almost do a science problem. And, and not, it's not that she gave me her permission, but she helped me work through the logical part and give honor to my intuitive guidance. Once she left, I sat down with my husband and I said, I can't be married for one more minute. And he said, should we go to therapy? And I said, I can't be married for one more minute. And then within maybe a half an hour, we sort of hammered out the basics. Mm-hmm. And then um, I we lived together for another five months until I could find a place really close by. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying to throw out your logic. If you're in a relationship and you're getting these these screaming intuitive things to leave, you're going to have to spend some time with your logic to figure out the logistics of the whole thing. <laughs> Literally, logistics, right? It's in the word. So you can't just be like, I'm going to work out. You have to sit down and be like, what are we going to do for the kids? How are we going to split our assets? You've got to do that practical part. And that's where your beautiful logic comes in. But you can always then go back to your intuition. Do we want to fight about this? No, that feels bad. Do I need them to agree to pay me alimony because I've been raising our children for 10 years? Yes. Even though that feels scary, I've got to go toward that. You know, there's all of these things that you can keep checking in with your intuition and you can keep finding ways to move forward. And I know at one point, my former husband and I, I could feel it in the room. 
we could go one way or we could go the other way. And we chose the peaceful way and just set down all of the unnecessary bullshit that wasn't, that was ego driven or fear driven. Yes. And choose. And sometimes you have to choose that a million times. That's right. And it's really, I mean, most of the people listening to this podcast are probably going like, I'm sorry. She just told her husband and then he said, okay. And then with, within half an hour that, right? Because most people don't have that level of, you know, collaboration or, you know, honestly, a spouse who respects and loves them enough to be able to say, I want you to be happy. I release you. Yeah. Right. Even though I don't want this, I release you. But I have to say, we went to therapy for a long time before we were even married and into our marriage for at least two or three years. I can't even remember. And this woman made it so we both were equal yeah, and his needs and my needs and our needs. It was such a beautiful experience. So I always tell people, well, it wasn't magic. We did a ton of work. That's right. Oh, absolutely. And you were both willing to do it. And that's the key that is so not common. There are many, many, many instances, and I, w- I just want to talk to people who are in situations where the other person doesn't have any of this inclination, or they don't want to go to therapy, they don't want to investigate. And I want to just reassure people that you can escape any unproductive groove, any relationship, even if you are the only one who is thinking of these things. It only takes one person. Your spouse does not have to be anywhere near where you are. I just got lucky that my former husband did a ton of work on himself and we both worked together and he was, he could trust me and trust the situation that it was right. But you can still do all this work without the other person even knowing what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I say this all the time, like you are rarely going to get agreement, understanding, cooperation when you are making a decision for the marriage that the other person doesn't like. Exactly. But that doesn't mean you don't get to make that decision. Exactly. You still get to make the decision. You still get to trust your guidance. Yeah. That's right. And what I love is what you said to your what you said to your ex was, I can't be in this marriage another minute. Mm-hmm. And he said, should we go to therapy? And you said, I can't be in this relationship for another minute. I call that yeah. rinse and repeat. You don't go back into, well, we've been to therapy and da da da. da. You don't you don't go into that. I said, I can't be in this marriage for another minute. Rinse and repeat, right? Yeah. That's the message that you needed to get across. Mm -hmm. And instead of going down the road, totally different road with him, you just repeated what needed to be said. Yeah. And I wasn't being mean. And he knows that I love him. And the thing Mm -hmm. of it is, is he is my family. I have a beautiful relationship with a delightful man for the last six years. I adore him. And Christian, my former husband, is my husband. Like he is my the father of my child. I love him. I love him now more than I ever did when we were married or before we were married. And and it's totally different. He's my family. We do this thing of co-parenting together. He's the only human on the whole planet who cares about anything my kid does like I do. And so we have this lovely relationship. And I'm really grateful for that. And that's what I sort of encourage that for everyone to try and investigate if that can be created. And if it can't be created, then you just create it in your own experience. Let their drama, let their story be theirs. And you create, you just be the love and then just see what happens, see what flows, you know? And and one more thing about that 
My husband has said to me many times, I'm so happy you had the chutzpah, the courage to say that because I knew the marriage was over, but I would have kept going because obligation, whatever. Totally. And so if you're feeling that, let me tell you the other person is too, because we're just mirrors for each other. They may not want to face it, but maybe you're doing everyone a favor by being the one to bring it out into the open. And you're doing your kids a favor. Yes, you are absolutely doing your kids a favor. And there are many men in particular who don't want to give up the relationship because it serves them, right? Marriage really serves men and women are, and not women, (laughs) you know? So they, of course, they don't want to give it up, right? Like, why would you? That is such a great point. Why would you let that go? They might have to parent half time. They might have to clean their own house. They might have to make their own food. I mean, for real, right? And so, and you know, and the other thing, sort of what you said about you and your ex have, you have come to this place, right? Yeah. And it's been a journey, I suspect. And um, I just always caution people because I have a really good co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. There are a lot of boundaries. It's very complicated. There have been more ups and downs and, you know, but it's been 15 years. And, you know, I think first, I recommend that people take the time to separate and individuate and figure out who the fuck you are outside of this marriage. Because if you've been in this for a long time, your identity is wrapped up in it. So you have to untangle that before you can become friends later down the line. Don't start off trying to be best friends. Absolutely. And that is such a great reminder. So my book, The Guidance Group, is a tool for that specific self-discovery. You're getting out of a marriage. Yes. You are you don't know who you are. Okay, go read something like that. And my book is one of a billion of these types of things. It's the same message we hear over and over again. Quiet the mind, quiet your fears, investigate your fears, get out of your grooves, follow your intuition, et cetera. Find a tool like that so you can start investigating your patterns. You, okay, now I'm I've left this marriage, or I'm I'm deciding what are the fears that are driving my choices in life? Are they real? And you and once you start investigating, you can start to build that new autonomous, powerful, individuated being that is separate from this marriage or this relationship you've been in for who knows how long. And and those are wonderful tools, and you can. You can just start to emerge and rebuild with more, like I said, data, like more information on what has been tricking you for however long and maybe tricked you into staying in the marriage for however long you did. And now you can start to let those go and and discover what's really, what's the really unique spark that is trying to come out that is you, right? Yeah. I view the world as every single thing alive is this a beautiful glowing light. And that light is the same, but I get to be the light as Carolyn. You get to be it as Kate. Your kid gets to be it as him. And, and that's the true, unique, amazing experience of humanity on the planet. When we don't have our stories or our programming or our conditioning, we can just be that spark that's super unique and beautiful and that brings so much goodness to the world without being encumbered by the nonsense. And that's the way we can make it better for the world too. just be. Absolutely. And you know, for so many people, I think that's so 
especially people who maybe are in more sort of like insular communities, whether it's, you know, religious communities or, you know, cultural communities, like being unique and different and standing out can feel really like subversive or dangerous, but yet not listening to that is killing you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you just die without ever being the fully present, beautiful spark that you were put here to be. And you miss the flow of life. You're trying to control based on the fear and the unproductive grooves and the ego nonsense. And and you miss that natural flow that your instincts and your guidance are constantly whispering to you. And that's fine. That's t- We miss it all the time. It's totally fine. But then to recognize it, maybe just for one minute a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. And then maybe it's two minutes a day. And you can just practice and practice until it's like 20 minutes a day <laughs> or maybe all day. <laughs> but I, I love what you say about going out in nature or whatever, finding the way, whatever the way is. I know for me, it's when I walk my dog. It's like 20, 30 minutes, twice a day kind of thing, right? And I don't bring my phone. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And that has been my rule for like a while. And lately I've been bringing my phone for whatever reason, like, oh, no, no, no. And I just realized like, what am I doing? I am completely distracting myself in the time that was my connect, look at the trees, listen to the birds. You know, I live in Los Angeles. It's not like totally nature, but there are trees. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and the data on the nature immersion stuff, the data demonstrates super clearly that a potted plant, exposure to a potted plant is enough. You don't need to go to the redwoods to like be immersed in nature, just experiencing something green. And then, of course, I just encourage people to take it one step further. Your fellow humans you see every day are nature. We are nature. You can get that. So I love that. Yeah. I'm similar. When I ride my bike, I like to listen to um, a specific kind of music. And that sort of helps me. And then once in a while when I'm rowing, I'll listen to a podcast. And I notice like, okay, that was a learning hour of rowing versus an intuitive feeling hour of rowing. Yes. It's very different. Yes. And just, you know, when I walk my dog, I don't have anything. I don't, I just, awesome. I just, my thoughts, I'm just thinking, and I'm probably talking to myself because, (laughs) right. And like just thinking and talking out loud and just sort of, and actually what's happening is I'm processing and we give ourselves so few opportunities to process. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my students when they come in and they're miserable and they're pre-med or whatever, and and they're getting amazing grades and they're doing well, but, they, but they're but they so unhappy. And, and I start to give them permission to do that quieting. Okay, let's really investigate why you're feeling so unhappy. And let's do like what you said, those scenarios and see if you have more ease as, you know, what brings you more ease? And you can't find that unless you give yourself permission to do those things like walk your dog or sit quietly in a room or do yoga or whatever it is that allows you to really feel that and give agency to all of those signals that are like, you know, whispering and screaming at you. (laughs) Yes, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Carolyn, this is so great. Tell everybody where they can find you, find your book. Yeah. Learn more about you. My book is available where books are sold. Amazon's probably the easiest way to get it. And also I'm not a big social media person, but I am on LinkedIn. Well, you just go over the guidance groove. My name is Carolyn Curley, but it's K-U-R-L-E. And so no one can ever remember how to spell it. (laughs) 
but um and <laughs> it'll be in the show notes everybody <laughs> and the title of the podcast so it's good <laughs> and i have a the guidancegroup.com is the website where you can sign up and for more information you can contact with me i'm very easy to find and contact of course i'm a professor at uc san diego so i have a website there too but that's my science days my science work so yeah mostly just carolyn curly.com guidancegroup.com and linkedin are my main, main outlets Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. And I just, I love it. Me too. I love the work that you're doing. And I love the, you know, the blending of the two, the science and the... Thank you. It's so good. And I appreciate, I appreciate the force for good you are in the world. People (laughs) who get to work with you are experiencing true goodness and a little bit of magic. And I appreciate that. So thank thank you you for doing what you're doing for so many people who need your expertise and your help and your guidance and your encouragement. So keep going, keep doing it. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Oh my God, you're the best. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.